Mark Lynch, Director of the Project on Middle East Political Science. Welcome back to the POMEPS podcast, our series of conversations with leading scholars in the field. Uh, with us today is Andre Bank of the German Institute of Global and Area Studies. Uh, Andre, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So um, a little while back, um, I had the opportunity to, uh, to be on a panel with you to talk about some research you've been doing, a paper you presented on uh, Syrian refugees in Jordan and this broader project on the reshaping of, the, of, of those border areas. Tell, me, tell us a little bit about that research and what you've been doing and, and what you think you've been finding that scholars need to know. Um, so the project has started at the beginning of this year uh, when we talked about it last year at the ISA conference, it was still in a very preliminary stage. In the meantime, um, me and the colleague of me and my colleague Yazan Duran, an anthropologist from Jordan, have been uh, working on this project uh, uh, on the neighborhood um, of the Syrian war, focusing on three Jordanian cities that all have been affected strongly by the war. Those are the cities of Irbit, Mafraq, and Ramtha in the north, close to the border. And um, the special thing about this project and where it departs from a lot of the other research that has been going on in the neighboring regions uh, of the Syrian war is that it is not focusing on the Syrian refugees. Rather, it is about the local political economy and the reshaping of identities in the host communities. So the focus of this project is really about how the Jordanians perceive um, the Syrian crisis that they have a lot of Syrian neighbors uh, living there, and how it also shaped, you know, the, the political economy in the in those very cities. So, what, what sorts of things are you seeing then? Is it uh, a, a resurgence of nativism? Is it uh, building, you know, community bonds with the arriving Syrians? What, what kinds of trends are you seeing? Initially, our hunch was that uh, in the border city of Ramtha, which is very close to Dara, uh, where the Syrian uprising had started, you have a very strong family bonds and, uh, you know, identity connections. Um, and th our hunch was that here you have a very forthcoming and hospitable relationship between Jordanians and Syrians. And that is still true. However, with the closure of the Jordanian-Syrian border in late 2013, the local political economy in that town, Ramtha, has changed very substantially. Um, this, uh, this local economy in, in Jordan has been built on the very cross-border connections in terms of transport, industry, in terms of uh, taxi drivers going back and forth, but also in terms of trade and goods. So you did have a market in Ramtha, in northern Jordan, that um, sold Syrian produce and now that uh, has really shifted. Now, um, the, and the, the, the advantage that that market had was that it had very good and cheap Syrian textile products and all kinds of other Syrian products. And people from other parts of Jordan and even from the Gulf would come there and buy Syrian products. Now, that has changed. And what this meant was that a lot of the Ramthawis, the local Jordanian population, had to move to different businesses some of them going on different transport routes, but they are not as profitable, a lot of them going unemployed, and some going into illicit uh, issues of you know, drug smuggling um, in, with Syria and those kind of ways. So in this particular city, where we did a lot of field research in this past spring of 2016, um, the, the situation has really changed. However, what is striking, because of, and we, we would argue because of these long-time family bonds, is that there had not been an outburst of nativism, as you called it, or of anti-Syrian feelings. 
still people try and Jordanians try to you know, make a living in that very difficult situation. Has the Jordanian government done very much to try and cushion this economic blow or are the Ramthawis left pretty much to their own devices? The Ramthawis have actually been pretty much left to their own devices in this, in this part. Um, there have been some, you know, some support coming from, um, from uh, international donors, especially to the local administration, you know, in terms of providing better services, garbage collection and those kind of things, but not you know, changing this structurally. Before, the Jordanian authorities on the border would turn a blind eye when, when some of these um, transport people would also smuggle a couple of things. But now, with the fighting in southern Syria, with the danger of the Islamic State, Jordanian border, uh, border guards have really been very restrictive and are really going against this. This is one constellation that we see and that is quite striking and that's comparable to actually a lot of other border towns in civil war contexts. Um, when you look at the other two cities, um, Irbit, uh, the more administrative hub of northern Jordan, uh, there the effect of the Syrian conflict has not been, um, has not been as, as strong um, as in comparison to, to Ramsa. But people there are much more mixed, and there the popu the, the situ you, you have some tendencies of Jordanian nativism. When you would talk to Jordanians in, 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 in Irbid, they would say, oh, prices have gone up, the rents have gone up. Um, it's much harder for especially lower income Jordanians to make a living under the current harsh circumstances. So something that you would intuitively expect. And then the third city is the city of Mafraq, and the city in the a bit northeastern part of Jordan, where, uh, which is in direct proximity to the Satari refugee camp, the biggest refugee camp in Jordan. Initially here, the situation, um, one would have said, would, is very dire, for, uh, dire for, the, for the Jordanian population. But with the influx of many Syrians and with the influx of a lot of the international aid industry, ironically, you have actually a thriving um, in that city, and um, uh, people from Mafraq, Jordanians from Mafraq, not openly, but you know, in conversations, told us that actually that was actually a boost uh, to the local economy. New restaurants opening up. Um, you know, there's actually investment uh, in that city right now. This was not the case in 11, 12, and 13, but it has changed gradually um, as the the conflict in Syria evolved in 15, 16, and as more and more aid is coming in. So when you look at this, you have um, in, in a small space of northern Jordan, uh, looking through these, the, the lens of these three cities, a strong divergence between the effect of the Syrian war and the ways that local political economy has reshaped it. So there are a lot of prejudices against um, Syrians that you hear on and off. You have nev definitely never seen something like what you experience in, in Europe or in Germany, where you have a very anti-refugee uh, and almost very brutal uh, attacks um, on Syrian refugees. You do not have that in Jordan. Um, you, have, you have mixed discourses. Um, you have a kind of reassurance of um, Jordanian nationalism in some cases. And the interesting uh, finding that we also have that you have some bonding in some situations between Palestinian Jordanians uh, Jordanian Jordanians, some Iraqis um, living in Amman, 
and who now claim the Syrians. Mm. When you look back at this historically, um, and in the mid-2000s with the influx of a lot of Iraqis, you had similar types of tendencies, Transjordanian Jordanians and Palestinian Jordanians, for the first time bonding together against the incoming Iraqis. So it seems whenever a new group or community of refugees comes to a place like Jordan, uh, you have some of these discourses against them. But um, in a country like Jordan, it's, it's, it's still an interesting finding that um, it's these exclusionary discourses remain uh, verbal and they actually almost never lead to direct uh, violent action. Now, if you move away from just the economic to some of the more social dimensions of this, uh, what about, uh, like, for example, the school system and for kids? So the, Jord the Jordanians have, have they've made a, a, a big point of opening up the schools uh, to, to Syrians, but how does that playing out in, at, kind of at the local level? Have you seen this in terms of uh, are, are the Syrian children actually going to the schools? Is it causing resentment over overcrowding? Is it something which is seen as a generally good thing to do, that they're part of the communities? I mean, how is that playing out at that level? We've actually visited schools, um, and uh, we've seen that um, there is some resentment by Jordanians that uh, now the school teachers have to teach double shifts. It's usually the case that Jordanian kids go in the morning and Syrian kids only for three hours go in the afternoon, if they go at all. Mm. Um, there are different figures for the different cities, but roughly one could say that half of the Syrian kids uh, go to Jordanian schools, albeit almost exclusively in the afternoon. The rationale between this division is uh, that the Jordanian state still upholds the image, even though that's gradually crumbling, but it still upholds the image that the Syrians ultimately will return. Right. Um, whereas with a protected refugee situation as we have right now and with no end in sight of the Syrian conflict, it seems as if the, the Syrians are in there for the long for the long term. So solutions will have to be found. I think in general one could say that the Jordanian state um, is doing a relatively, a relatively good job, especially when you compare it with the state in Lebanon mm -hmm. or with what's happening in northern Iraq uh, with the Syrian refugees there. However, um, however it, it, the, from a regime perspective, the monarchy still tries to, mm -hmm. to, 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 to give the sense that um, Syrians are ultimately going to leave, even though people have told us from the government side that they are very much aware that this will not change in the short term. Now, you mentioned, or a moment ago, you mentioned the, uh, the 2000 wave of Iraqi refugees. And do you see any, any comparisons? Or how would you compare the reaction of these host Jordanian communities to the influx of the Iraqi refugees in the 2000s versus this wave of Syrian refugees? I mean, initially, both um, both refugees were were you know considered as guests. There was a strong sense of hospitality um, of both communities having suffered from very heavy, also sectarianized wars. However, the social groups that came to uh, Jordan are very different. In the two in the mid 2000s, 2006 and 7, the influx of Iraqis was mostly 
of middle-class Iraqis, Sunnis from the Baghdad area. You, have some, you had some Shiites, but mostly uh, a social grouping that also brought some capital and invested primarily in the city of Amman, in the capital, so they went there. The social group uh, grouping of the, of the uh, Syrians right now, who came post-2011, are mostly from the countryside, also Sunni, Sunni Arabs primarily, but that had much stronger social ties coming from southern Jordan, uh, southern Syria, sorry, primarily um, the Dara region, um, with these uh, intimate ties, like I explained before, with Ramsa. Mm -hmm. And now gradually you have also an influx of Syrians coming from Homs, from Halab, from Aleppo, from the northern part, and these intimate ties um, across the Hauran, for instance, are not there anymore. And you see some of that uh, also in some of the discourses. So, for instance, in the city of Mafraq, you have neighborhoods emerging, uh, a Darawi neighborhood, a Homsi neighborhood, and a Halabi neighborhood. And the way Jordanians portray this is that the people from Dara are kind of their brothers and sisters, whereas those from coming from northern Syria uh, are, um, you know, they are further away. Uh, whereas with the Iraqis, a lot of them were considered much, much closer if they were not Shia. Right. So that was, that's, I think, is a major difference. This Sunnah Shia dimension is not very important right now. It played somewhat of a role in 2006 and 7. But you shouldn't forget the context back then with the Lebanon War of 2006 and the years around. Well, and was when the Jordanian king also was talking about the Sunnah Shia divide um, in the region and so on. Interestingly, even though we have a much more sectarianized context right now regionally, also coming out of the Syrian war, I would argue in Jordan this issue is not as prominent as it was a couple a decade ago. Now, you mentioned before that that many Jordanians are starting to tacitly acknowledge that this is likely to be a long-term uh, presence, that the refugees are not likely to return to Syria soon. And I think that has obvious effects on how you, uh, on, on political economy and the kinds of institutions that are built and investments that are made. Are, are you starting to see that now, like the, with the Syrians, for example, starting to you know, you know, put some capital in and, and build kind of a longer-term relationship? Or do you think it's still kind of holding out for an eventual return? I think the policy has changed quite a bit over the course of the last year, or especially the last half year. And one crucial incident was the London Donor Conference in February, where um, the international community, mostly the Western states, um, pressured Jordan uh, to allow for a contingent of, of Syrians to grant work permits. Mm -hmm. And this has now happened for about 200,000 of the roughly 1 million. The estimate of how many Syrians there are is also a very political figure. But of the two for 200,000. But the Jordanian side then insisted that the same amount uh, that, um, of investment internationally that goes for supporting Syrians to work in Jordan also goes to poor Jordanians to work. So you have this... You have this walking the tightrope uh, policy that you see very often in Jordan, also on display here. On the one hand, they see they need to bring in Syrians mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more to the labor market for those families to sustain their living in Jordan. It's not cheap. But also from the Jordanian government side to also support uh, the Jordanians, um, the Jordanian um, population. And the interesting thing, when you look at the, the very fields where the 
Syrians uh, now are working mostly in, in, in northern Jordan, and a lot of them work informally, illegally, is in those fields, not primarily where Jordanians work, but where guest workers from Egypt, from the Sudan, and from Southeast Asia actually work. So you have a displacement of those guest worker communities by Syrians, and not so much a displacement of Jordanians. So, but those are all kind of very complex, evolving pr um, uh, movements. I think it's important to study them, and we've only really begun uh, in this project, um, and we will continue doing so over the course of the next two years. Well, that's great. That's fascinating research. Uh, thanks to Andre Bank, the uh, German Institute for Global and Area Studies. Uh, thank you for joining the program. Hey.